dive into Proverbs chapter 3 in just a few moments. Proverbs 3, I want to share a message today that talks about between the bookends. Between the book, bookends. We know what it is to have a bookshelf, and at the end of different rows of books, we have these bookends. It might be a bigger book, or it might be some kind of decor item, but you have these bookends that kind of holds everything in place. I want to talk about bookends, and then I want to talk about some things written between the bookends today out of Proverbs 3. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. All throughout the entire book of Proverbs, 31 chapters, it's constant, one after another, verses of wisdom. Wisdom is more than just knowing something or understanding something. Wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know and what you understand. It's knowing how to apply the knowledge and the understanding. So in other words, wisdom is the action you take based on the knowledge and the understanding that you have. Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs, and he was considered to be the wisest man of his day. And he recorded these Proverbs to teach his own son, and now us, How to live life with wisdom, because wisdom brings God's blessings. It's the theme throughout the book of Proverbs. And throughout Scripture, you will see something that is so true. You see God's principles, and then you see God's promises. And oftentimes, most of the time, there are promises attached to God's principles. But there are also principles attached to to God's promises. And we're going to dive into a little bit of this today. Because between the two bookends that I'm going to talk about in a couple of minutes, all of Scripture, all the scriptural principles, they fall in place and they're held in place between these two bookends. So let's begin today. I'm going to read eventually Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 12. But I want to start with the bookends, okay? So we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 1. Notice what Solomon says. My son, do not forget my law. Pause here just a moment. Throughout Scripture, we see the word law, precepts, commandments, principles. You can throw in other words as well. But Solomon says, do not forget the law. Do not forget God's laws. But let your heart keep my commands, my commandments, my laws, the principles that I give you. In verse 2, he says, For length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. So I want to start with one of the bookends today. And I'm going to start right over here on the left side. One of the bookends is the laws of God, the commandments of God. To shorten it today, we've simply said God's laws. Everything that happens in our lives, we need to know that God has put laws in place. There are natural laws, illustration, gravity. How many of you know about gravity? Okay. How many of you don't know about gravity? Because I'll give you a lesson real quickly, okay? We know about gravity. It's a natural law. But God has also put spiritual laws in place. Another law, sowing and reaping. In the natural, there's the natural law of sowing and reaping. There's also a spiritual law of sowing and reaping. So God puts laws in place. And Solomon says here to his sons and to us, don't forget God's laws. 
Don't ignore God's laws. Don't lose track of God's laws because as you go through life, God's laws are always going to be intact. And they're always going to be at work. God never discards his laws. And what Solomon says here is, get these laws into your heart. Get them into your heart. Let them shape and rule all that you believe and all that you do. Every follower of Christ needs to have an understanding of God's laws written in their hearts. We need to have God's laws governing our lives. Why? Because with the principle comes a promise. There are blessings that accompany the laws of God. As creator, God's laws tell us, this is how I created you, this is why I created you, and these are the laws that will govern your life and the universe. So we need to understand and accept and embrace the laws of God. And what Solomon says here is, is if you will observe God's laws, they will bring you a long, peaceful life. How many of you want to live a long, peaceful life? Break it in pieces. How many of you want a long life? How many want a peaceful life? How many of you don't want a long life if it's not going to be a peaceful life? See, it all connects together. He wants to give us long, peaceful life. Proverbs 1 says, the fear of the Lord. Now get this. The fear of the Lord, the godly reverence for the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Throughout Proverbs, you see it time and again. Solomon talks about wise people who understand and follow God's laws, and then he talks about fools who reject God's laws. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, John wrote these words, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, His laws. We write them in our hearts. We live by, we keep those commandments. But he goes on to say that God's commandments are not burdensome. God did not give us commandments to put a burden on us. He gave us commandments to help us see the paths of life that bring blessings. God's commandments are not handcuffs, they're road lines. They keep us in the blessed, protected lane. So God gives us his laws. But then there's a second bookend that I want to talk about. Skip all the way down to Proverbs 3, verse 11. Verses 11 and 12. We're going to look at the other bookend here. Solomon says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects just as a father the son in whom he delights. So, on one side we see God's laws. On this side we see God's correction. And here's how we go through life. When you hear a message like today, you may hear some words that bring some correction. Maybe sometimes as you're going through life, you need to make a decision, and you start to make a decision, and you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, ah, 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 ah. remember what the Word says? Remember what I told you? This is the right pathway. God corrects us. But here's the problem. When we hear the word correction, we tend to think punishment. Isn't that true? Correct your children. Accept correction. We think punishment. The word that God uses is a word that speaks of words. God says, I will speak to you. I will give you words of correction to remind you. This is the law 
this is the correct way to go and you're about to make a wrong decision. And I speak correction to you to get you back in the lane that brings blessing to your life. Oftentimes we misunderstand the correction of the Lord. First, God speaks to us to get us back on the right path. But what God is saying in these two bookends, and I'm gonna, this is part of the introduction. I haven't even got to my message yet. It's going to be really good when we get there. What God is saying in these two bookends is, do not forget my laws. But if you do, I will correct you. I will remind you that there's a better path. So I need you, when I give you those reminders, to accept my correction. To accept my correction. All of my life, I've heard about the laws of God, the commandments of God. I've been teaching them a good part of my life. But I've also learned that with the laws of God, sometimes God speaks correction because I don't always follow God's principles very closely. Can I get two amens in the house? All right. See, every, everybody's kind of in the boat me right here. Now, let me, let me teach this to you or illustrate this to you. I've raised children. I'm now raising grandchildren. I'm one of those guys, because I'm a teacher and I got a lot of black and white prophecy in me, I'm one of those guys, and I'll be quick to tell you, don't do that. Don't do that. With my grandkids, I watch them around the house. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm not trying to restrict them. I'm trying to keep them from hurting themselves. Like when the children are little and they're just about at the right height to run into the corners of the cabinets in the kitchen and the island where we eat, you know... I'm always, look out, look out, look out. Don't run into that. I'm not trying to hurt them. I'm trying to protect them. Let me give you another illustration. Laying your hand on a hot stove. When I'm barbecuing out of my backyard and my grandkids are around, I'm constantly saying, stay away from the barbecue. It is hot and it will burn you. Go one step further. Crossing the street. What do you teach your children? Go to the crosswalk at the corner of the street, look both ways, make sure it's clear, and then as you go, keep looking both ways. We're not trying to restrict them and put them into bondage. We're trying to protect them and keep them on a path of the blessing. And I know some of us say, well, you know what? I keep telling my kids over and over and over again, and they just won't listen to me. That's part of being a parent and a grandparent. You have to remind them with words where the correct pathway is. And God does that with us one more thought here you say well what happens if i ignore god's correction if i ignore his laws and then he tries to correct me what happens if i ignore god's correction proverbs 9 12 says if you are wise you're wise for yourself and if you scoff you will bear it alone you bear the consequence god is trying to keep us from bearing the consequences of foolish decisions. So here's the bookends, God's law and then God's correction. Now, I want to come back to this passage and I want to show you three things really quickly today, three principles that are bookend, bookended by these scriptures. All right? Go back to verse number three, Proverbs 3, verse 3. The first principle that we see in between these bookends, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Number one, and I'm going to share three simple principles today. Number one, 
Learn to live life with the balance of mercy and truth. Learn to live life with the balance of mercy and truth. In my 40, how many, seven years now, I think it is? 40, yeah, be 47, yeah, it's 47 right now. In my 47 years of ministry, I've met a lot of unbalanced believers. Don't mean that to be harsh in this specific area. It's easy to be unbalanced here because most of us are wired for mercy or for truth. Solomon says we have to learn to do life with mercy and truth both involved in our thinking and the way we deal with people. So I'm going to ask yourself the question today. And I want you to ask yourself, how do I see people? How do I see people? See, there's two ingredients in this verse. He says, we need to have mercy and we need to have truth. So let me ask you today, when you look at people, do you normally see them through eyes of mercy or through eyes of truth? And let me say it again. It's not a bad thing either side because they're both important. But I wondered, why does God tie mercy and truth together here? It's because they're opposites. Mercy and truth are opposites. They demand different actions, different results. And most of us will see life through one lens or the other. We will see people and we will be nothing but merciful. Oh, those poor people. Some of you are so mercy motivated, it's hard to recognize truth in the middle of it. Some of you drive down the freeway, and if there's a dog on the side of the freeway, you will stop and pick it up and put it in your car. Oh, my God, that poor little animal. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that, but stay with me. Some of you see people, oh, I can't believe they're in such a bad place. Oh, we got to do something to fix this. They're in a mess. And you're so mercy motivated to see mercy, mercy, mercy. God created you that way. Smile at me. Okay, don't, don't frown. God created you. Some, some of the people are, are elbowing their spouse right now. That's you. That's you. Mercy, 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 mercy. You see somebody hurting and you'll give away everything you've got and everything everybody else around you has trying to help them in that situation. That's mercy. But then some of us only see life and people through eyes of truth. Yeah. First question out of my mouth is, well, how'd you get here? God didn't put you here. How did you get in this mess? See, that's the teacher and the little bit of prophecy that's in me. I look at it and I tend to see the world through eyes of truth. How, how, many, how many husbands are glad that your wife has got some mercy in her? Because you, you would be nasty to live with. Your kids would hate you if it wasn't for your wife. Or maybe the other way around. <clears throat> but most of us are wired to see life and people one way or the other. And it's like we go through life and we're wearing these glasses and we're just hardwired to see everything through truth. Well, you dummy, you shouldn't have done that. I got no mercy for you. That was stupid. That was foolish. You shouldn't have done that. The other person's over here. Oh, we got to do something to help. See, God says we need to find a balance. We need to wrap it around our neck so we don't lose it. We need to write it on our heart so that we respond correctly. But in every situation, we need to see things through the eyes of mercy and truth. Mercy and truth. Let me say it this way. For those of you who are mercy gifted, 
you need some truth in your life to balance things. For those of us who are truth gifted, we need some mercy in our lives to balance things. And Solomon said, you need to learn to do life with both of these. Because you see, if we have no mercy, we'll have no forgiveness and compassion for people. But if we have no truth, we'll have no principles by which we live and we encourage other people to live. We need God's law. We need correction. But in the middle of it, we need to learn how to live life with mercy and truth. John 1.14 says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. Now stay with me a minute here, because I'm going to go to a point two in just a second. Jesus came full of grace, mercy, and truth. Remember when Jesus spoke to the woman taken in adultery, when everybody left and he had finished driving everybody away, and it's just Jesus and this woman? What does he say to her? Neither do I condemn you. That's mercy. That's grace. But then he said, go, sin no more. That's truth. It was sin that put you here. Don't go back. See, some of us, we hear God's laws and then we get on the road and we get on the road and we get out here and we're out of our lane and we're out here disobeying God's commandments and all of a sudden you hear a message like this and it's God says, uh-uh, you need to get back in the lane. You need to get back in the lane. Well, don't put this legalism on me. We've got a problem in the church world today because we've preached mercy and grace to the point where we've, we've ignored the laws of God. And we think, well, it's all going to be okay in the end. Friend, there are a lot of people headed for a disaster if they don't get some balance in their lives. And it's our responsibility to live with that balance. We need to bring correction with love where it's needed. John chapter 5, Jesus heals this lame man. And here's what Jesus says when he walks away. He says, see, you've been made well. Now sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. See, some of you probably never read that verse and thought about it. Jesus extends grace and healing, but then he tells him, hey, I got some words of correction for you. You know the laws of God. You need to get back in a path, walking with God and observing and understanding the blessing that comes with his law. Now, one more little thought here. As we view life in the big picture, the big picture of life, the macro view of life, we must do so with the lens of truth. We have to see the big picture of the world and life through eyes of truth. But when we deal with people, we need to see them through eyes of mercy and grace. Doesn't mean we abandon our principles. It means we help those people get back into their lane, back onto the path of God's blessing and understand he speaks words of correction to bless them, not to hurt them. So we need that. And then what Solomon says here is, if you'll do this, if you'll live with mercy and truth, you'll have favor with God and with people. People love you when you can tell them the truth in a nice way, but you can be compassionate when they're hurting. We need that in our lives. Number two, second thing, look at verse five. I'm going to read four verses here real quickly. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is a famous scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, your paths, your decisions, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. 
Number two, Solomon says you need to learn to let God help you with your life decisions. You need to let God help you with your life decisions. We need to trust God with our life decisions. So let me ask you a question. Why do we tend to make decisions without God's help? Why is that? Why do we tend to make decisions without God's help? I think one reason is we want our way. Come on, let me have some amens. Come on, on. everybody knows somebody. Elbow your spouse, say that, that'd be you. We, We want our own way. Number two, we have too much pride to ask for help. Men are the worst. My wife reminds me, we wouldn't dare stop and ask for directions even if we were lost. I'm too proud to humble myself to that low level of asking for help. (laughs) Number three, we don't trust God. We don't trust God. And I think ultimately it comes down to that. We've replaced trusting God with other things. So it might be me wanting my own way. It might be my pride. Or it may just be the fact that I don't trust God. But Solomon says, look, you need to learn to trust God when you're making life decisions. Now, let me just spend a couple minutes here. I've been living walking with God a long time. A lot of years. And I'm going to tell you, I've been through some good stuff. And I've been through some disasters. I've seen a lot of things. I've experienced a lot of things. But the best directions, the best instructions for life, the best help with decisions comes from God. The absolute best comes from God. It'll come from his word. You have no idea how many times in life I'm sitting down reading early in the morning and I run across a scripture that just jumps inside of me and says, that's your answer. That's what you need to do. God's word speaks direction to us. Not only that, His spirit will just bring us a knowing that I know, I know, I know, this is what I need to do. That's why why we talk to God. That's why we pray. Because when we pray and ask for direction, God will give us direction. But some of us haven't learned to, to ask and then listen for a while. Keep your heart open. So his spirit, when we pray, his spirit will give us guidance. You know, sometimes it's just his peace. We pray about it and we just know in our hearts, wow, I've got so much peace. It doesn't always make sense, but I've got peace. This is the right direction to go. God will direct you by his peace. Not only that, God will use other godly people around you. It may be by a work of the spirit. It may just be by their experience. God will use other godly people to speak wisdom into your life. But whenever we've got decisions to make, especially important decisions, We need to stop and put it in God's hands and say, God, what do I do? You know, there's a picture in the Old Testament of the Old Testament priests. And they would have these robes and this vest and all this stuff they would wear. And there was a pouch inside some of their garments that was right by their heart. And when they had to make decisions, there were stones in there. One was a yes and one was a no. So they'd be praying to okay, God, do we do this? And they'd reach into that pouch and pull it out, expecting God to direct them. It's a picture of us being able to talk to God and then in our hearts we would know, is it yes or is it no? Is it to the right, to the left? What is the decision I need to make? If it's not clear in his word, his spirit, his peace, 
God will send other voices to you to help you in those moments of decision. But what, what Solomon says here that's so clear, in all of our paths, in all of our decisions, we need to know God. That's literally what he says. In all of your decisions, know God, and he will lead you to the best paths. He goes on to say there, the result is going to be a healthy path. Healthy path. Now, stop, here, stop here just a moment. You might be here today. You might be watching online. And life isn't going well. Things are pretty unhealthy. Maybe there's some decisions. Maybe there's some pathways that need to change. How many people have ever gone down a pathway and once you got on it, you found out this isn't a very healthy path to be on? It tends to make things corrode in a hurry. See, the funny thing is when you ignore God's law and you go your own pathway, it doesn't take long to find out. You get off God's path, stuff starts corroding and stuff starts dying. God's paths are healthy paths. So if he speaks correction... Get onto God's better path for you. And, and then there's a third thing. One last third thing that Solomon talks about here. Look at verse number nine. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Third principle. Between the bookends, as we are blessed, we need to learn to honor God first. Now, I, I know what happens. Whether you're watching online or you're here in the room, anytime a minister starts talking about giving, people throw up this wall. Yeah, that's how you guys are. That's all you talk about is money. First of all, if you've been at the bridge more than two Sundays, you know that's not true. If you've been here for years, you know that's absolutely not true. If you compare it to how much time they spend on radio and TV, it's only a fraction of the time that we spend talking about giving to God. And it's never from a selfish motive. But I want you to hear me because I want you to see what Solomon is saying here. When we are blessed with a paycheck, with an increase, with money, possessions, with wealth of any kind, two things happen. Number one, those things come from God to bring blessing to us. Did you know that money and wealth is neutral? It's not good or bad. It's not good or bad. Scripture doesn't say money's the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. It's what you do with it that makes it good or makes it evil or in some, kind, some cases probably just makes it neutral. But anytime we're blessed... Anytime we receive increase, it's meant to be a blessing to our lives. But the second thing is, every time we're blessed, our hearts are put to the test. God tests our hearts with what he's put in our hands. Jesus warned about it a lot. It is so easy to wrap your heart around stuff and things that your heart longs for things more than it longs for God. Some of you are tired of hearing this illustration. It's old, but it's the best one I know. Some of us have been praying for years for God to help us win the lottery. Because if we can just win the lottery, we won't have to trust him anymore. 
Well, no, I want money so I can have this and this and this and this and do this and this and this. Well, why can't we trust God to bring those blessings into our lives? This is good preaching right here. But here's what Solomon said to his son. He says it to us today. Honor God with your possessions. Honor him and honor him first. First. Let's, let's take a moment. Let's talk about first. First, in the original writings, means the principle, the most important thing. In, in the Hebrew wording, when it says first or first fruits, it's talking about the first most important principle of all. Solomon says, when you're blessed, every time there's increase in your life, which in our day and age would be not a time of harvest with crops, it would be our paychecks. He said, every time you're blessed, honor God First, first does not mean second or third or fourth or last. It means trust God first. Come on, everybody smile at me today. If you don't smile at me, I think you're angry. And if I think you're angry, it's because you're missing something here, okay? So keep smiling at me. Solomon's telling his son, son, I want you to be blessed. God's telling you and me, I want you to be blessed. So anytime increase comes into your life, you need to understand the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God owns everything. We don't own anything. If you don't believe it, I mean, you look at the guy laying in the casket. He's not taking anything with him. He's not. God owns everything. He's entrusted us with wealth. Well, you don't know me. I don't have any wealth. Let me take you to third world countries where I've been, friend. I'm going to tell you something. You live in this country, you're probably wealthy. I don't care what the socialists and communists have told you. You are wealthy. I know I just made somebody else mad, but we'll, we'll get through this too. It's not second, third, or fourth. Honor God first. And every Sunday morning... And, when we give to God, we don't take a lot of time. We stop and thank you, and we remind you of a giving principle most of the time. Just one simple thought. But here's the thing. We need to develop a habit. It becomes a part of our lifestyle where every time we receive compensation, paycheck, whatever you want to call it, the first thing we do is we honor God for it. Because it keeps our perspective right about money. When God is second, third, fourth, or last down the line, I know people who say, well, I'm going to pay all my bills, everything, and if there's anything left, I'll give a little bit to God. That's upside down. Don't get mad at me. It's upside well, Who do you think you are? I'm a guy standing up here reading the Bible to you. That's who I am. <laughs> it's not my word. It's God's word. God says, honor me first. Honor me first. So what happens is, when we give at the end of our services, and usually we do it at the end, when we give at the end of our services, what are we doing? Number one, we worship God with our giving. You go back to the beginning of time, Cain and Abel, God required something in a sacrifice that cost people something because he didn't want their hearts wrapped around things. And if we give to God first, it recognizes him as our source. We honor him for who he is and what he is. So we worship God with our giving. Number two, my giving expresses my thanks to God. God, thank you. Thank you for blessing me. I want to give back to you first because I recognize you're the one who blessed me. 
Can I tell you something? Your job is not your source. Your boss is not your source. Your business is not your source. God is your source. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. And the best thing I can do is when I receive increase is to honor God first and thank Him for His blessings. A third thing that happens, we express our trust and our faith to God when we give to Him first. We're telling him, God, I believe you're going to continue to bless me in the future. You're going to continue to be my God and provide because you said you would. And the fourth thing, we bring our offerings. We bring what we give to God, whether you call it tithe, offerings, however you work it out in your heart and mind. We bring back to God that there would be provision in his house. We say it every week. We're touching lives all over the world. You know how we're doing it? Through your faithfulness and giving. Now, I know, like I said, when you talk about this, somebody gets uncomfortable. Well, I don't like that. You know what? If you don't like the Bible, I'm sorry, but it's in there, so I'm going to teach you. All right? But here's the, here's the last thing I want you to see. Malachi 3, God talked about this to Israel. And here's what he said. Malachi 3, verse 10 and 11. I want, I want you to see these two verses. God says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Let me pause here. Did you know God loves his house? How many of you love being here today? Did you know God loves his house? God wants us to love his house. God wants us to take pride in his house. He says, bring all the tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. God says, try me. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, there will not be room enough to receive. God says, I'll give you what you need and I'll give you more than what you need. If you can learn to trust me first and honor me first. In verse 11, he even says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. I love driving out through wine country. How many of you knew there's wine country right outside of Temecula here? I know some of you are Christians and you can't say that word, but there's wine country out here. And they grow grapes out there in case you've never, I know, some of you have been afraid to drive out there and see it. There are grapes growing everywhere. I, I was driving out there a few weeks ago and I watched all these grapevines that are just bare. And they look like they're dead, but they're just bare. It's the time of year. I went out a few days ago driving through there and, and as I was driving through, I began to see leaves popping up on those vines. They begin to have some color. And the other day, I was actually playing golf, and I saw some vines. And on those vines, there are grapes starting to form. And there's somebody expecting a big harvest. Somebody's depending on those grapes. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, that's what the picture of life is. There's a time to plant. There's a time to water. There's a time to trust God, and His process will work. That's what God's saying. It's true in the spiritual as well. He said, honor me first. And I'll open the windows of heaven and I'll keep the enemy from eating your crops. That's God's promise to us. Now we can wrestle with that and we can run 99 directions. And if we do, we miss the point. Friend, God wants to bless your life, but he wants you to honor him. Now, between the bookends, God gives us his laws. And then like today, from time to time, he'll speak correction to try to keep us in the right lane where he can bring blessing into our lives. So in closing today, how do you see people? How are you dealing with people? 
Number two, how are you making your decisions? Number three, are you honoring God first with your wealth? Bow your heads. I want to pray for you today. Father, I just sense in my heart that you're speaking to people and you're speaking loving words of correction to get us back in the right lane. Maybe some of us have got over on the shoulder or we, we've got on the wrong road, go in the wrong direction. God, speak correction into our lives. And then it's up to us to receive it. Because throughout our lives, there are going to be your laws and there are going to be words of correction to keep us blessed. God, let us understand the blessing that comes when we stay within your laws and your boundaries. And God, if you're speaking to people today all over this house, people listening online, as you're speaking to people's hearts, God, don't let us harden our hearts. Let us receive your correction. And with wisdom, let us act on your words, your laws, and then see your blessing in our lives. In Jesus' name. Heads are bowed for one more minute. You know, maybe you're here today. Maybe you've listened to this and you've thought, you know, I, I, I don't see people. I don't deal with people very well. I have a problem with people. Or, or maybe, maybe you're saying, man, I made so many bad decisions. I, I really wish I had God's help with the decisions in my life. Or maybe financially, maybe things are a mess and you're trying to figure out where do I go from here? How do I get God's blessing? It just seems like I keep running into a dead-end street. It all begins with us accepting Christ as our Savior, letting Him become the Lord of our lives, and let's start living life walking with Him. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. It starts with words, with a prayer, where we just say, God, I need you. If your heart is being stirred today, that's the Spirit of God knocking on the door of your heart. That's God saying, I want you to be my child. Will you let me be your father? God can't violate your will. He gives you an opportunity to say yes to him. So I want to lead you in a prayer today. And, and this will help us begin a relationship with God. Maybe you're ready to make Christ the Lord of your life. I'm going to ask everybody in this house, I'm going to ask you if you're watching online to pray this prayer with us. Right out loud say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you. I want you to be my Savior. And I ask you to be the Lord of my life. So I lay my life at your feet. Take all the pieces and rearrange them today. Change my thinking. Write your laws in my heart. Keep showing me the right path. Be my father. And I will follow you. I'll be your child. I thank you for loving me. Thank you for receiving me into your family. I will follow you. Amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, that's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning of the journey. Your beginning relationship with God. We want to help you in that journey. We've got a little tool, a little booklet we'd love to give you. It's called The Next Seven Days. It's just really simple reading for the next week to help you get started building relationship with God. We want to give this booklet to you. When service is over, we'll have prayer teams at the front of the building. You can walk up either side of the stage. You can walk up to one of the teams. If you want prayer for something, they're here to help you. If you just want to get the book and go, that's great. We want to give it to you today, help you get started walking with God. If you're in a big rush, out in the lobby, 
where you exit right in the middle of the glass doors. There's a counter set up there. We'll give you the very same booklet there. We want to get you started walking with God. If you're watching online, there are instructions on your screen how we can get this same tool to you electronically to help you start walking with God. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family today? God bless you. Awesome. Can we also give Pastor Gary a hand for that great message this morning? So good. So good. Well, this is the time in our service when we worship God with our giving. And on the screens, you'll see the different ways in which you can give. And if you prefer to give in person today, you can do that as well. There are giving envelopes located on the chair backs and there are giving stations on the side walls just before you exit the auditorium today. And there's another giving station located in the foyer just before you enter the Bridge Kids area. But you know, as we prepare to give this morning, I think it'd be good just to remember what we heard in today's message that our giving truly is worship to God. It's telling him that we put him first, that we trust him with our finances, and that we are grateful for all of his blessings in our lives. And when we give, God not only promises to bless us, but he says he will use it to bless others when we bring food into his house by giving here in his house in the local church. And so I just want you to remember today that when we give, you truly are making a difference in others' lives because every week our giving helps us bring the hope and love of Jesus to people all across this Temecula Valley and all across the globe through all of our different missions efforts. So thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Thank you for helping make an eternal difference in people's lives. God bless you as you give today. And now before we conclude, we just have a few quick reminders for you. First of all, for our seniors, we have our Senior Connection Luncheon happening later this month, May 22nd. It's happening right after second service. It's a catered lunch, and you do need to register and purchase a ticket for that, but you can do that on the church website or church app and get all of the details there, all right? And then also our child dedication is coming up on Sunday the 15th. We do need you to get your little ones registered for that. If you want to dedicate them to the Lord that day, we would just love to be part of that special moment with you. All right. And then Friday night, May 13th is our Bridge Women Night. We only have a few of these a year. Yay. Ladies are excited. I am excited too. Like I said, we only have a few of them a year. It's such a special night and we've got just a great evening planned. If you want to come early, we've got fun starting at 5.30 out in the front parking lot with boutique vendors and food vendors. And then we'll be coming right here into the main auditorium at 7 o'clock for a great time of worship. And I know your heart will be inspired and encouraged through the Word of God that night. And then we'll be going back outside for more shopping and desserts. So it's going to be a great night. And we have a great program planned for your 
your little ones, infants through fifth grade. But we do need you to get them registered. It's a free event, free night for all of you ladies, but we just need the little ones registered so we can be properly staffed and prepared for them. All right, and you can do that on the church app or website. All right, well, next Sunday is Mother's Day, and we've got a great day planned, great services next Sunday morning. So invite your moms, your families. We can't wait to see you next Sunday. Have an amazing week.